As we uh, move into the holidays, we, we do have a lot of things that we would love to share with you and encourage your participation as the Lord leads you. Um, but before we get into that, I do want to um, just give a shout out to the tech team. Uh, last Sunday, we had some technical issues. This Sunday, um, you know, you asked me on Friday, I asked Jordan, how are we doing? And he just kind of mumbled. Um, <laughs> um, we love technology around here. And uh, how many of you at home or on your phone have ever done an update? And after the update, things stop talking to each other. And so uh, we, are, we are blessed with a lot of very skilled people in what we call the bridge back there. And there's a lot of components that have to talk to each other in order for the live stream in particular to go out and for even us to get slides up. And so what happened in the last week or two is um, software companies decided to send out updates and so the components that were talking to each other nicely uh, stopped talking to each other. And uh, they worked very hard. And uh, for you here in person, you're not really going to notice a difference. Um, but for you at home, I just want to let you know, uh, we are going to be able to have slides up for the sermon. You're just not going to be able to get slides for the worship music. Um, but we were blessed to even have a, a live stream. As of Friday, everything was shut down. And so they worked very, very hard to get us up to be able to enjoy that. Yes, thank you to the, the bridge. All right, so Kathy, come on up. Kathy uh, wants to share something from women's ministry about an upcoming event. Good morning. Uh, just a quick announcement. We are having a women's Christmas gathering December 3rd, 4 o'clock. Uh, at um, the Body Combs house. Um, so it'll be at our house. And we have invitations. Uh, they'll be in the back on the cart. And I will also pass them around to any woman that I see. Uh, so you're all welcome to come. It should be a great time. We're going to have different types of soup, a couple different types of soup, a couple different types of desserts. Um, and we're just going to do other things that it'll be a lot of fun and a great time to be together. Thanks. Please sign up. It's on, there's a sign-up on the cart. Many of you have signed up already, uh, so please go ahead and sign up. Okay, and I have an announcement for student ministry. Um, we had our fancy Thanksgiving dinner this last Wednesday. It was really fun. Um, all the students and leaders dressed up fancy, and we had dinner. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it was a great time. And so this coming week, a couple of updates. We don't have Tuesday night Bible study, and we don't have our Wednesday night youth group either. So that's that. Great. Thank you, Shiloh. Hey, uh, Jordan, can you do me a favor? If, if that TV can get turned on right above your head, that would help me out. Um, all right, last Sunday we mentioned uh, an opportunity coming up this week, Thanksgiving at the Park, uh, sponsored by Calvary Chapel. Uh, Pastor Dan put it out to all of the churches, and if you would like to participate, uh, you can go to their website. Also, there's a contact, uh, Bernie Gaona, uh, Gaona uh, his email there. If you want to uh, help, specifically, he told uh, Pastor Tyler they need mashed potatoes. So if you would like to contribute mashed potatoes, it's a wonderful lunch at Libby Park. Uh, setups around 10. There's different ways for you to serve. Uh, one of the things that Pastor Dan shared with me is uh, one of the ministries uh, that is included is you, or whoever would like to, going through the line, getting a plate of food, and simply having a meal with somebody. Uh, he calls it the not just ministry to the homeless, but to the lonely. And so if you would like to participate in any way, you can go to their website, you can contact Bernie, and uh, he'd be glad to help you with that, okay? Uh, next Sunday, we have, I think, two, right, Tyler? Two baptisms scheduled. 
uh, right after service outside on the patio. Uh, If you would love to be baptized, if you're wondering if you should be baptized or what baptism is all about, we would love to chat with you so you can see Pastor Tyler about that. Uh, I want to say thank you to all uh, all of you who have donated to the Continuing Care Center uh, Christmas baskets, all right, Betty? A lot of things have come in. Uh, There's lists of items uh, out on the welcome cart, and now we have a deadline. If you'd like to uh, give some items to that, Sunday, December 18th would be the last uh, opportunity for you to donate to the uh, Christmas baskets. Uh, Breakfast in Bethlehem. We've been uh, sharing with you in very creative ways Sunday, December 10th here in the uh, worship center. Uh, there is limited seating, so I just want to let you know, if you've been interested and you haven't registered, there's only 26 remaining slots left. So if you'd like to register after service, you can do that. Kim will have an iPad at the welcome card, or you can do it online. But there's only 26 slots left, so I encourage you to, to jump on that. And then finally, uh, this week, we were asked by Teen Challenge if we could... Uh, Come alongside them. You know, we love Teen Challenge. Uh, I did a chapel there a couple months ago, and I think we're going to do one this month, another one. Um, But we come alongside Teen Challenge, and they are having a tamale fundraiser. And so if you would like to come uh, come alongside Teen Challenge by purchasing some tamales, there's a sign-up sheet at the welcome cart as well, and it's a wonderful way to uh, support that ministry. Okay? Uh, Last Sunday, we mentioned that we were going to give uh, Layla and Zeke an opportunity uh, to share uh, what the Lord's doing in their life, uh, focused on missions in Kenya. And Mark, you want to come up and introduce them, and then we'll have them share. Thank you, worship team. That was wonderful, wonderful. So we uh, were able to get the slides up, and uh, I received a wonderful email. Uh, we did, actually, and it was forwarded to me uh, from our friends out in Oklahoma uh, from last Sunday's service. And uh, they really were blessed by the worship last Sunday and understood the, uh, the technical difficulties. But they, they expressed the desire. They, they really missed and wished they could have seen uh, the picture I had of the sixth grade me on the, uh, the river in the Philippines. And so uh, hopefully this works and you can see it out in Oklahoma right now. That's, that's sixth grade me on a river in the Philippines. And uh, it actually turned into a wonderful uh, introduction Uh, to today's uh, message, because uh, if you were here last Sunday, you know that uh, prior to that picture uh, being taken, I had, uh, you know, sort of with an adventure spirit jumped in and thought I could navigate the river and even make it across all by myself, having no experience uh, on that river and, you know, all that, and uh, got in and just as quickly jumped out, anxious, fearful, terrified, thinking I was never going to do that again, except for the fact that my cousin, who was experienced, offered to jump in the boat with me, and uh, he's right behind me there, and uh, I love that, and that reminds me because, uh, you know, I look at myself there, and I see uh, peace and confidence, and I know that uh, I was at the other end of the spectrum uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, you know, earlier uh, when I tried to do it by myself, and it, it spoke to us last Sunday about the nearness of God and how powerful uh, the nearness of God can be in transforming our lives. And I share that with you uh, today because it leads us right into uh, a continued application of what we called last week the imminence of God, right? The nearness of God. And, and the question for us and the application for us this morning is, is how is that impacting you 
and your life. If, if you, maybe I'm hoping some of you, you were very aware of it this, this past week, right? The imminence of God, that, that the nearness of God, that it was a conscious thought if you were here last Sunday that, you know what, God is near. He's always near. And, and nowhere is that more important and, and, and practical, if you want to call it that, uh, than the passages that we're going to be looking at, the verses that we're going to be looking at today. And we're going to read Philippians 4, 4 through 7. This is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the believers in a city in Philippi. We've been going through this for several months. So I want to read verses 4 uh, through 7. The Apostle Paul says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or your forbearance be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. That's what we focused on last week. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're going to be focusing on this uh, passage, very familiar passage. Again, last week we focused on what's called God's imminence, right? Philippians 4, 5b, the Lord is at hand. In the NIV, the Lord is near. The imminence of God, the nearness of God. How often do you and I actually live conscious of the nearness of God? I'm guessing that many of us, when you come to church through worship, prayer, fellowship, just being here, you feel near to God. There's a reality of God here. And I appreciate that. I understand that. We work hard to eliminate distractions and to serve you with excellence so that you can really experience God. There's an experiential component to that, and that's fine, and we want that. But what we would really want just as much is for you to leave here with the nearness of God. And that sometimes is the challenge, isn't it? Because at a certain point, I'm going to say amen. Randy's going to come up. He's going to close us. He's going to say, God bless you. You're going to head out the doors. Many of you will stop for a coffee, lemonade, iced tea, cheese. Thank you, cheese. One or more slices of donuts, some fellowship. Some of you will head right to your car because you have to go to lunch or you know, maybe work or go shopping or something. And just like that, we go from an environment where we are focused on the nearness of God. I don't want to leave. That worship song was so good. Oh, God spoke to me. Till we go out there and literally, you're still on the church grounds. But someone takes the last donut and you got bent. You were eyeing it as you were walking to the table. Huh? Right? You were eyeing it. And then they... And just like that, the nearness of God. What, why is that? Where, where does that happen? You know why? And, and how do we develop this, this uh, more constant awareness? Well, that's part of sanctification. It's part of just learning to follow Jesus 24-7, 365. It's just part of the journey. And so today as we move into a, an area that, that can be very challenging, and I'm going to share with you why it can be very challenging. You know, we have these verses sometimes, Isaiah 41.10, Fear not! For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen? Right? We see these verses, and then life happens, and those verses just scatter. Life happens, things get turned upside down, and suddenly we're back into circumstance and self. My opinion, my emotions, my rightness, all of this, you know, and, and yet... 
we would all amen Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. Right? And, and part of our journey is taking the time to really let the Lord speak to our hearts about developing a consistency in what we say we believe and how we actually live. Right? Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. John MacArthur says this, your view of God will control your conduct. Okay? And specifically, in this passage that we're going to be looking at in uh, verses 6 and 7, we're going to be talking about the area of anxiety and worry. Anxiety and worry. And I'm going to guess that one out of one people in this room and listening online and listening later in the week are confronted with situations, maybe sitting here at this very moment, anxious, worried. And we're going to have to try to figure out what to do with Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Eileen, if you can go back for a sec. Do not be anxious about... Okay, so Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything. And yet we're sitting here, I'm going to guess, some of us, anxious about more than one thing. And I'm going to encourage you to hang in there today. I'm going to really encourage you. You know, we often pray, oh, Lord, I pray that you'll speak. I pray that the Holy Spirit will speak through the word. And I've been praying all week as I've been studying, I've been working through it as God's been speaking to me. I'm really going to, I'm going to layer this on the front end before we jump in because, uh, quite frankly, there might be, there might be a, I'm going to say temptation, but there might be resistance that's going to come up in this message. Mostly because of how we view anxiety and worry in our culture, or maybe in your life. And sometimes, you know, you'll hear me say, don't check out on me, like when we studied David and Goliath. I'm like, you know, don't check out on me. I know it's a familiar story, so sometimes familiarity breeds contempt. You're so familiar with it that you check out. Ah, yeah, I read this. I know David and Goliath. Sometimes I'd say before, don't check out on me because sometimes you read scripture, you come to a sermon or you hear something and it seems so outlandish that you dismiss it and you check out like, oh, that's just for the superstar Christians. That's just for God's A team. I can never do that. So you dismiss it like that's not applicable or it's not reality. Sometimes when we come across passages like Philippians 4 or 6 where he says, do not be anxious about anything, sometimes we might be tempted to check out because anxiety and worry are so ingrained in us that we excuse it and we take it for granted. It's just human, right? It doesn't hurt anybody. It's a good thing. It's a virtue. It's how I demonstrate love. And yet, in Philippians 4, 6, he says, do not be anxious about... It's not a suggestion. It's a command. 
It's a command. And so I want to layer this before we jump into it. And I'm going to encourage you, if you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable because you've already sort of adopted the, well, I just, that's just me. Or, you know, I've always been that way or I grew up that way. Uh, I want you to really kind of choose to be fully present and let God speak to you in the present tense as a believer. Because remember, Paul is writing to believers here. This is, this is specific to believers, followers of Christ, okay, this command. And I, I want to start by laying it. You know, Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so uh, we're called to have this supernatural metamorphosis, that's the word transformation, and we're called to not be conformed to the world. Well, when it comes to anxiety and worry, the world sort of just accepts it. Right? What's wrong with it? It's just, isn't that just part of being human? Isn't that right? And, and I want to encourage those of you who, who maybe uh, have experienced some, some struggles with this in your life to varying degrees. Uh, today is, is a, I'm coming and I'm sharing with you really from a heart of compassion and understanding um, over the years, I've shared a little bit of my story with you. But uh, for those of you who don't know, and I, I'm not going to go into detail, but I just want you to understand when it comes to anxiety and worry, uh, I understand. I really do. Uh, from a very young age, 40 plus years, I have experienced things that, uh, you know, let's just say uh, Anxiety and worry have been my constant companions for most of my life. And so I come um, to you this morning almost testimonial. This particular passage is very meaningful, almost testimonial to me, because I understand, believe me, I know what it is for anxiety and worry to consume you, to engulf you, to feel like a a never-ending tsunami to affect you so much that you, you just don't even know if you can function normally. So um, I share that just that I, I understand. This is not about guilt. This is not about shaming you into another thou shalt not or you're a horrible Christian because you're anxious. Uh, no, this is just part of your story and my story. And so I just, I just wanted, wanted to share that um, I get it. And I know it's a journey. Uh, I, I had some experiences that, um, again, like I said, uh, just messed me up. And uh, I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years, and it's been a 30-year healing process. Okay? And every day, I have to make choices regarding anxiety and worry. Because every day, um, it's just waiting. And the enemy knows what triggers me. Uh, I can't erase my past. I can't erase things that happen. Um, and I can get triggered real quick. And so I'm coming alongside you. I'm sharing uh, what God's word says. But I, I share uh, as someone on a journey with you. And I share with someone that read this years ago. and was like, come on, man. No way. Anxious about anything. Give me a break. How is that even possible? 
Okay, so I, if, if you've thought that already in the last five minutes, I, I've thought that with you. And, and we're going to do this together. We're going to journey together. So I come with a heart of compassion and understanding. I also uh, want you to know that, that these kind of verses sometimes, resistance goes up because you're like, oh, there you go, you Christians. You bury your head in the sand, Christians. You, you deny reality, Christians. You blind faith, Christians. See, be anxious for nothing. <laughs> right? Sometimes you blow it off because people view Christians, you and I, as like, we bury our head in the sand and we don't want to face the realities of life. So we just come to church and we sing and we just, you know, we, we just have pie in the sky Christianity. No, that's not what this is about either. Okay? In fact, John sixteen thirty three, Jesus says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. James 1, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Jesus says you're going to have trials and tribulations. James says when you have trials. This is not bury your head in the sand. What this is about, walking with Jesus, understanding transformations that when the reality of the world hits you, the reality of a fallen, broken world comes crashing into your life, you know what you do in the power of the Holy Spirit? You respond biblically. Okay, what this is about is is facing the reality of the world head on, not in fear, not in denial. It's facing the reality of a broken world with a biblical response in the power of the Holy Spirit that glorifies God. That's what this is about. That's what this passage is about. Okay, so hang in there. I'm just going to ask you to hang in there all the way to the end, because you're going to have an opportunity at the end to actually put these verses into practice. Okay. Kind of the final layer before we jump into that is, is there is a difference between concerns and worries and anxieties. Okay? Let's be clear. It's the same word. Concerns in a positive light is in the Bible. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, Paul was concerned for the churches. In 1 Corinthians twelve twenty five, we are commanded as the body of Christ to have the same concern for one another. Okay, so there is a distinction as we move forward between legitimate concerns, the reality of life, concerns for family, concerns for your future, concerns for the health. There are concerns, but in this passage, he's talking about anxieties and worries. Okay, okay, so again, just some of you are like, you mean it's okay to be concerned? Yes, we're called to be concerned for one another. Okay. What we're not called to do, what we're commanded not to do, is be anxious or worried. Okay? Larry Richard says this. While it is legitimate to have concerns that we will at times experience as demanding pressures, there is a limit to their legitimacy. The worries of this life may so dominate our attention that they make God's word unfruitful in our lives. The pressures of legitimate concerns can cause us to focus on worldly matters that we forget to relate our needs and worries to the Lord. So what we're talking about here is when legitimate concerns cross over and bleed over into consuming us and taking our eyes off of God and affecting our faith, affecting our trust in the Lord. Stephen Cole says this, Proper concern turns to sinful anxiety when we lack faith in God's role as a sovereign Lord and provider. 
and when we put self at the center instead of God's kingdom and righteousness. So the first step in dealing with anxiety is to examine whether it is due to lack of faith or to a wrong focus on self. Confess the sin to God and yield to him. See, Zeke and Layla just were up here and we celebrate what God's doing in their life. Now as her dad and grandfather to Niala and the little one, if you didn't know, Layla's number two is on the way in March. And, you know, Zeke and his family there. Yeah, I have legitimate concerns. I've never been to Capsuar, and, you know, they're halfway around the world. I, I get that. There's concerns, health and well-being, how God's going to provide. But I even, even me, as grandpa and dad, I have to choose not to slide into anxiety and worry for them. And ultimately, that means I've got to entrust them. This is between me and the Lord now. See the difference? I can have concerns for them. But if I start to slide in anxiety and worries about what's going to happen, and da, 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 we're never going to have the grandkids, and suddenly I'm taking my eyes off of God, and I'm putting it on circumstances and on me. That's the difference that we're talking. We're talking about a heart issue. Okay? So as we move into Philippians 4, 6, and 7, there's three sort of words or phrases that begin with P that, that will maybe help you and help me frame it, is put off, put on, and peace. Okay? Put off, put on, and peace. So put off, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. In the Amplified Version, it says this. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, which means every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. And so right away we're confronted with this idea that, you know, we're not to be anxious for anything. And it's, it's actually a command. And so we had the process, right? This, Romans 12 talked about not being conformed. And we're confronted with, well, you know, these ideas that, well, that's just how I am. And, and you know, it's, it's harmless. Or we turn worrying and being anxious into a virtue, right? It's, or we feel like it's something we can do. I'm in a situation that's out of my control, so I'm going to worry and be anxious because I feel like I'm doing something, right? Or, or you know, that's how I demonstrate my love, or that's how, you know, I was raised, a bunch of around of worriers. And so we sort of have accepted it, and this is even the first step of, of trying to process obedience to this first part of this command is, wait, what are my views in my own life about worry and anxiety? Have I kind of come to the place of just accepting it? And actually, in the acceptance of it, have actually given up any hope and faith that God can free me from it. That's where you have to be real careful. Anxiety and worry in the context of these verses at its core has to do with my trust in God in every single situation that I'll ever face. That's what it's coming down to. Okay? In the, in the original language... It's not be anxious for nothing. In the original Greek, they they actually emphasize for nothing, all right? So in the literal translation, it says this, for nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer. For nothing be anxious. Again, it's a command. It's a command. And it's present tense, the way it's written, which means it's supposed to be a habitual practice. 
in the life of believers, right, stop doing something they were already doing. The way it's written is that the Philippians, for whatever reason, were already habitually worrying, habitually being anxious. And what Paul is saying, hey, stop worrying and do not under any circumstances worry about anything. Amen? (laughs) Or like, A, impossible. (laughs) Tall order, right? Amen? But how many of you would love to be there? Right? So, So this is so appropriate for your life, my life, on the national scale, on the global scale, whatever, that all the, you know, if you're into the watching, reading forecasts for the economy and the war and the political nature of 2023, yeah. You're going to get tied up in knots real quick if you don't know how to navigate anxiety and worry. Okay? And so my prayer again is that, that you will at least now begin to just be honest. That man, for nothing. For nothing. If I were to um, give you a piece of paper and a pencil and just ask you quite honestly, with no one else that's ever going to see it, to start writing things that you're anxious and worried about. How many of you would need another piece of paper? <laughs> Probably, right? Okay, hang, hang, hang in there with your honesty, because that was very key for me. I'm just going to be honest with you. You, you got to be willing, okay? I get it. Um, Sometimes when you read verses like this, deep down you make this laundry list of how many things you're anxious and worried about, and it heaps of guilt and shame on you as a believer, and you don't, you, now you can't even share. Because now if I put that out in a men's group prayer circle, hey guys, can you pray for me because I'm really anxious and worried? What you're really anxious and worried about is what they think of you. Amen? How many of you? Let's, you know I like to do this. How many of you, when it comes to sharing prayer requests, have ever been anxious and worried, and then you re- you're reluctant to share a prayer request because you're anxious and worried about what the group is going to think about you? Thank you. Isn't it? In the church, he tells us, do not be anxious for anything, and we're anxious about what other believers are thinking about us. I, I get it. There's a lot of shame, there's a lot of guilt, there's a lot of condemnation. The church is not always the best place in the world for grace and forgiveness, right? And into that, Paul says, hey, in the literal translation, for nothing, be anxious. Not even what your brother or sister in small group thinks about you. Imagine what would happen in your small groups if literally anxiety and worry about what others thought about you wasn't an issue. How much more genuine conversations would be? How much more real and authentic prayer requests would be as you actually open up your lives? Right? It says, for nothing. What that really means is literally not even one thing. J. Vernon McGee, I love his honesty, he says, Does this mean we are to look at life through rose-colored glasses? That we are not to face reality? Are we to believe that sin is not real, that sickness is not real, that problems are not real? Are we to ignore these things? No. Paul says that we are to worry about nothing because we are to pray about everything. Nothing is the most exclusive word in the English language. It leaves out everything. Worry about 
nothing. I confess that this is a commandment I sometimes break. I worry. Which of us hasn't fallen into this pit of despond to one degree or another? Okay? So we're all in this together. Amen? We're all navigating this together. Right? For nothing, be anxious. Now, it's very interesting, this word, be anxious. It means to distract, to divide, to draw to different directions. How many of you in your life have had so many things coming at you that you feel like you're being pulled in all kinds of directions? You're just like, ah, ah. That's what they're talking about here. That's, that's when anxious, worried, pulled in all kinds of different directions, distracted from God, right? In the present context, it means to have an anxious concern based on apprehension about possible danger or misfortune and is characterized by extreme uneasiness of mind or brooding fear about some contingency and emphasizes a fear of frustration, failure, or disappointment. Kind of like how many of us live in anxiety and worry about worst-case scenarios? Anyone? What if? What if? What if? What if? What if? And, That's what you're talking about. You get so consumed with future worst-case scenarios that it just puts you in bondage, right? That's what they're talking about. The the idea inherent is of an individual attempting to carry the burden of the future by themselves and expressing an unreasonable anxiety about things over which one has no control. So what's going on here is you have to be honest with yourself, getting wrapped up, apprehension, fear, the future, and all these things that ultimately, honestly, you have no control over. But somehow, I think we flip it, and worry and anxiety gives us a sense of, right? We convince ourselves, we excuse it. The etymology for the word worry, fascinating. Worry, the etymology, comes from a German word that means to strangle, Anxiety, the etymology, it's related to a Latin word, which means to strangle. How many of you have ever felt we're in anxiety strangling your joy, strangling your peace? That's, what it, that's where it comes from. That's where it comes from, right? And so we have to, we have to say, okay, whew, reality check. This, yeah, okay. That's me to a certain degree. Now what do we do, right? What do we do? Because in 5b, it said the Lord is near, right? Stephen Cole says this. If we excuse our anxieties by saying, quote, well, it's only human, or anybody would feel anxious in this situation, we will not overcome it because we are not confronting the root cause of it, namely, our sin of not believing God and of not seeking first his kingdom and righteousness. Rod Mattoon says this. Worry is wrong because it demonstrates distrust in God's promises and providence. It says, God is not big enough to handle the problems and circumstances in my life. It is, in essence, practical atheism. doesn't mean you're not a believer, but what it means is when you and I leave these doors and the rubber meets the road, we are confronted with this question that confronted me years ago as I was working through this issue and I was growing as a believer. Do you believe what you say you believe? Do you believe what you say you believe about God's nature, 
his attributes, his promises. Now that reality will hit you in the face come Monday morning or when you get the bill in the mail or when life turns you upside down. And depending on where you land on do you believe what you say you believe, you're going to go down a certain road of worry and anxiety because ultimately it comes down to do you trust God? Do you trust God? Now this is, this is not... This is not, again, the finger wagging. This is the journey that I have been on. Confronted situations in my life where, you know, it was me against the world. And I wasn't going to let anything or anybody hurt me or come near again. And so triggers of anxiety and worry would usually create me going out in attack mode to self-protect. And then as a believer, I'm confronted with trusting God and not myself. Right? And that, I, I, I'm just going to tell you, it can take time. It can take time and you might need to bring brothers and sisters into your life that will listen and comfort you and help you to trust God rather than yourself. So I get it. I get it. Rod Mattoon says, worry is like a rocking chair. It requires an investment of your energy, but it does not get you anywhere. Worry never moves you one inch closer to a solution. In fact, it creates more problems. Worry cannot change the past or control the future. It makes you miserable today. And at the heart of it, as a believer, remember, we're speaking as a believer because this is Paul was writing to the church. As believers, as a brother in Christ, not just as a pastor, but as a brother in Christ, it comes down to whether or not I trust God. My anxiety and my worry scale in whatever situation is directly correlated to how much I'm trusting God in this situation. Less trust, more anxiety and worry. Less trust, more I'm going to take care of this. Okay? And so, here's what I want to help you. Here's what was helped me um, before we move on to the put on. Take some time today or this week and choose to be very honest and get a piece of paper and a pencil and just write things down that you're anxious and worried about. I did. Finances, health, kids, the future, career, worst-case scenarios, and you add to it. Write it down. What, 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 what pushes your anxiety and your worry? Right there. Just write it down. First step. Write it down so you can see it. You can see it. Second step, begin the process of seeking the Lord and asking the Lord, Lord, why am I struggling trusting you with this? Why am I struggling? Why don't I trust you? 
Why can't I let this go? Why am I clinging on to this? You say you'll never leave me nor forsake me. You say you're all-powerful, you're all-knowing, you're all-present. You say you created everything. Okay, I see that in the Bible. I hear it. I, I, I affirm it in my, in my head. But Lord, on this piece of paper, why isn't it translating? So step one, write them down. Step two, begin the process. It's a process of beginning to examine and maybe talk to others in your circle. Be honest, why are you struggling with trusting God with your finances? Why are you struggling trusting God with your future? Why are, why is the, why are you having anxieties and worries? Why are you not able to trust God to the degree that you should with your relationships? That's unique to you. I can only help you to shine light on what's going on. And what's going on in anxiety and worry at its core is trust and faith in who God is and who you are as his child. Okay? Maybe, maybe as you go through this process, you're like, oh my gosh, I get it. When I was growing up, man, I was betrayed. I was lied to. I was betrayed, and it just devastated me and I, I purposed, I'm never going to trust again. I'm never going to get hurt again. Well, if you're not careful, that translates into your view of God as someone who's going to potentially hurt you and betray you. You've got to work through that biblically. Because God says he, doesn't, he can't lie. God never changes. So if you're working through betrayal at the human level, you might have to work through trusting God at the biblical scriptural level. Amen? That's sanctification. That's growth. It's also very scary. I get it. I'm with you in this. Okay? So make, me, make a list. Begin to confess to God. God, you know, honestly, God, I confess. I haven't been trusting you in this area. God, I confess. I'm anxious and worried about this and this and this and this. God, now, now I understand. God, I'm just not trusting you. I just confess it. That begins the process. That begins the process of opening up authenticity with God. Because he already knows it anyway. Okay, you're not fooling him. And neither am I. So we put off, be anxious for nothing, for nothing be anxious. So there's some helps, some practical helps. Just identify what it is already, okay? And here's the key. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So here's the important thing. A lot of people read that and say, for nothing, be anxious, or be anxious for nothing. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to focus on not being anxious. Bad, bad, bad. Bad Linda. Right? Bad Mark. You know, don't be anxious. We, we just, we read, we don't read the whole verse, so we get stuck on A, do not be anxious for anything, and it's another thou shalt not. And if you know you're worried and anxious, then you have guilt and condemnation and you feel really bad because now you're on God's JV because only the real super spiritual can, you know, you, you got to keep reading. The focus is not on not worrying. That's the command. Okay. Like if I put a plank of wood here, let's say six inches by eight on the ground, and I said, walk across. Many of you on the ground would just walk across, right? Right? Now, if I put that same plank of wood 10 stories high between two buildings, (laughs) 
same piece of wood, many of you would now change your focus from getting across to don't fall. Don't fall. Don't fall. And then if you fall, you die. And you're focusing on all the negative consequences. So it's like, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. What will happen if you focus on don't fall? You fall. So in these verses, it's not, don't worry, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. Because if you focus on don't be anxious, what are you going to become? Anxious about not being anxious. Right? So the point is, it's not, don't be anxious. We got to keep reading. And the put on, the put on, very important, in everything, by prayer and by supplication. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Probably before you put your head on the pillow tonight, you were going to be confronted with something that could lead to anxiety and worry. Something you see on TV, text, an email, situation in your life, right? The question is now, okay, what are you going to choose to do when you are confronted with the temptation to be anxious or worried? Because you have a choice. What are you going to do? Okay? I love this quote. It says, stop perpetually worrying about even one thing. But in everything, by prayer, whose essence is that of worship and devotion and by supplication, which is a cry for your personal needs, with thanksgiving, let your requests for the things asked for be known in the presence of God. So here's what you got to do. We don't bury our heads around here about the reality of life. What we do know and what I'm hoping to equip you with right now is When, or even right now, if you are confronted with anxieties and worries, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, go to prayer. Don't sit there and stew on, don't do, don't be anxious. Pastor Rich is going to hear. He's going to be mad at you, right? Situation comes, you make a choice. What is the choice? What does he say to do? Philippians 4, 6, in the the, uh, literal For nothing be anxious, but in everything, by prayer and by supplication with thanksgiving. For nothing be anxious, but in everything. There's your key. If you want to be delivered, experience victory, freedom, from bondage to anxiety and worry, What you need to develop, what you need to train yourself to do is react in prayer. You take your eyes off the circumstance. You train yourself not to look at the circumstance or not to look at the self and how you're feeling. And right away, if you're sensing anxiety or worry, you go right to God. Prayer. Okay? Nothing too big or too small. W.E. Vine says this, anxiety harasses the soul. It enfeebles irritates, ruffles the temper, is a sign of mistrust and of failing obedience and distracts the mind from communion with God. See, when we come to church, we have this great sense of communion with God and communion with each other, right? The nearness of God. We enjoy all this. Suddenly something happens out there. Oh, whoop, there goes the communion with God. 
what we need to do, this is part of sanctification, this is my, my part of journey, journey is we train ourselves, exercise ourselves unto godliness in how to respond biblically. And what it is in here is you go to prayer. Now, some of you are like, but every time something happens, I always just go start talking God what I need him to do. God, can you provide? God, can you take care of this? God, 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 God. Okay. Nothing wrong with that except for, I put up the uh, four, six again. It says, in everything, by what? Prayer and by, with thanksgiving. Okay. Many of us, when we're confronted, this is very important. This is what you got to catch. We go to supplication which is making your request known to God. What did we skip? There's three things. There's three elements. What's the very first one? Prayer. You mean there's a difference? I thought prayer was just asking God for stuff. I pray. I asked him to, I asked him to give me money. I asked him to take care of this. I asked him to give me a job. I asked God. That's supplication, specific request. Why would he put prayer first? I thought they were synonymous. I thought they were exactly the same thing. Prayer is me asking God for stuff, right? No. We did a series a while back on the Lord's Prayer. And it was titled, Are You Praying or Just Saying? And we looked at biblical prayer. If you want to look at this series, I encourage you to. The word pray in the Bible, the Greek word is prosuhome. What's very important in prosuhome is, is the prefix pros. If you and I are going to pray, pros means we become very conscious that we are in the presence of God. So in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, For nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer. What you need to do when you and I are confronted with anxieties and worries, we need to become very conscious of the presence of God. Before we even start asking Him for things, we need to quiet our hearts, and turn our full attention to the God of the universe, who we call Abba Father. Amen? It's very important. Don't just jump into supplication. Prayer. We need, see, what happens is you and I live in this fallen world, right? The natural world. As we function, we become very accustomed to just dealing with natural things and what I call we lose our spiritual eyes. When he says pray in everything by prayer, what he's asking us to do is when we're confronted with situations that can trigger anxiety and worry, he's like, stop, put on your spiritual lenses here. Come before the almighty God because you can, because you're his child, amen? That's what you... Okay, in 2 Kings 6, there's a great story. The king of Syria sends a great army to capture the prophet named Elisha, okay? Great army is sent because they want to capture this prophet. Here's what it says in 2 Kings 6, uh, 15. When the servant of the man of God, so Elisha's servant, when he, he rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city, And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Elisha says, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. 
So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Amen? Right? The servant wakes up. The Syrian army is surrounding them. He's like, ah! What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Elisha was like, chill out. Lord, let him see what's really going on here. Open his eyes to the spiritual reality. God opens the eyes of Elisha's servant, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. See, when you and I go to prayer, before we start asking for things, when we go to prayer, what you want to ask God to do is open your eyes. Let me see you, God. Let me see the creator of the universe. Let me see you and put my circumstances in the right perspective. Amen? It's the spiritual eyes. We live with natural eyes. Prayer coming into the presence of God, pros, opens up our spiritual eyes. That's what this is about. Psalm 103, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. What did Job say? Job said to God, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. See, when we come to prayer and we sit in God's presence, suddenly you're like, oh yeah, that's right. You own everything. There's nothing hidden from your sight. There's nothing too difficult for you. You are all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. I can come to your throne of grace 24-7, 365. You say you're never going to leave me nor forsake me. Amen? That's prayer. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, bring it before the presence of your Father in heaven. Amen? Because we can focus on Goliath. Remember the story of David and Goliath? Right? David shows up. And all of David's men are like, I ain't going out there. You see how big that guy is? Nine foot six. Big old arm, you know, Goliath, right? They're focusing on Goliath. Little David comes up and is like, who's going to slay this dude? He's like, dude, you're just a run. No, no, no. When I was out in the field, the Lord, David's focus is on the Lord, not on Goliath. If we're going to biblically respond to situations that can trigger anxiety and worry, we got to come in prayer, which means we focus on God first rather than the circumstances or ourselves. And that might take a while because we have a lot of ingrained habits. How many of you are, are analytics? Like to figure stuff out, right? I'm an analytic, and I want to tell you, man, I'm my own worst enemy when stuff comes up. Because I'm going to figure this out. And if I need your help, God, I'll ask it. <laughs> huh? Anyone? Huh? Thank you. Thank you, Gigi. Right? But God's like, no, no, flip this. Because what happens is when I get anxious or worried, I go into analytical problem-solving mode because that's how I was raised and that's what worked for me. That's my natural ingrained response of 40 years of anxiety and worry and pain and betrayal, da, 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 da. When I get triggered, I go into analytical problem solving. I got this. God's like, no, 
That's not how this works. When you get triggered, you come to me. You turn off your analytical mind. You yield and you surrender and you come to me first and you submit yourself that I got this. And how do you need to ask me how I want you to deal with this, not the other way around. Okay? Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, Prayer is beyond any question the highest activity of the human soul. Man is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees he comes face to face with God. And so we put off, we put on prayer, and then we have peace. Philippians 4, 7 says, It will guard your hearts and your minds in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That word God is a military action. Okay, he's going to guard your hearts and minds. But I love this. George Morrison says this. Peace is the possession of adequate resources. Think about that for a second. As a child of God. Peace is the possession of adequate resources. As a child of God, we have been given everything we need for life and godliness. As a child of God, we have access to the throne of grace 24-7, 365, where the Bible says we will find mercy and grace in our time of need. Amen? As a child of God, our Father is the God of the universe. As a child of God, how many would say you have adequate resources? Okay, more than adequate resources. Amen? So when we come to prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, it's a reminder we have adequate resources. My Father's got it all. And in that truth comes peace. In that truth comes peace. How many of you have been anxious or worried about that chair you've been sitting in for almost an hour? Anyone? Why not? Because you believe that that chair has adequate resources to hold your weight. Amen? You have been a complete peace in that chair because you innately have believed that that chair is adequate to support your weight. Amen? Prayer, supplication with thanksgiving. God is more than adequate to support your needs. Rest in him like you're resting in that chair. In fact, you want a little, here, let's, let's notch it, kick it up a notch. If you're able, lift your feet. Ooh, now you're really, you're really 100%, right, Ernie? You lifted your feet. That chair better not let you down, right? You got to learn to rest in the adequate resources, the sufficiency of God. It's more than sufficient. But how do you do that? How do we live in that? Prayer, come into his presence, make your needs known. And then the third pair, right, there's like a sandwich. Come into his presence, make your needs known, which we all know to do. And then it says with thanksgiving. And you know what thanksgiving is? Thank you, God, for providing for me when I needed. Thank you, God, for when you came through here. Thank you, God, for... And so what happens is you come into his presence, you make your needs known, and then you are reminded of all of his faithfulness in your life. Amen? Those three things... Bring the peace of God because now you recognize I've got adequate resources. I'm resting in God 
like I am that chair right now. That's how. That's how we achieve victory. Right? So I'm hoping what sounded like this crazy passage at the very beginning of our time together, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, right? I'm hoping that you leave here with some practical, like supernatural, God-glorifying ways to honor God. Because you living with the peace of God, you handling anxieties and worries, you know what? That's going to be a tremendous testimony outside these walls. Our culture is filled with people with anxiety and worry right now. And when believers are experiencing the peace of God and bearing the fruit of the Spirit, that's the testimony. And that will, act, that will get people asking you, how are you dealing with this? How do you have such peace? How do you have such joy? And then you just take them, walk, take them right through it. You take them right through it. So this is what we're going to do. Because we got to put this into action. we got to put this into action. Before we leave, we're going to give you an opportunity to pray, to make your request known to God, and to give thanksgiving. This would not be complete without this. Because how many of you right now, rewinding the tape, how many of you right now have some anxieties and worries on your list. Okay? So what is this verse? What do we just hear that we're supposed to do? Put on prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. So we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. Right now. Be gut level honest. You might even need to confess. You brought anxieties and worries. It's consumed you. For maybe a long time. And maybe right now your first step is to confess to God that you haven't been trusting him in these areas. Receive his forgiveness and begin the process. Okay? I'm going to um, ask the worship team, if you guys come up, I'm going to ask you to sing that song, It Is Well. I love that song. How many of you know It Is Well, right? It's a great song. Do you now see the connection between the lyrics of It Is Well and the peace of God? And so we're going to go into prayer while they get set up. And then we're going to sing It Is Well Before Communion. And I want you to sing it like someone who believes it is well. Because God has got you. And you don't need to be in bondage to anxiety and worries anymore. Because now when you are triggered and you are confronted and you are tempted to go there, you're going to go to prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. And you're going to let the peace of God guard your heart and mind. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for victory that is ours as believers over anxiety and worry. Father, I thank you for what you've done in my life in 30 years. The progress that's been made, really the miracle that... uh, I can even do this today. It's been a journey, though. A journey of gut-level, gut-wrenching honesty. A journey of uh, lots of emotion and lots of uh, working through stuff. But I thank you, God, for your faithfulness. 
And so before we sing this song, I just want to give us a chance here and at home to pray. Pros, Uhomai, come into your presence. Adore you, worship you, perhaps confess. But just sit in the presence of Almighty God, our Father. To allow you to put things in perspective, you really do got it. There really is nothing too difficult for you. You really will never leave us nor forsake us. You really do work all things for the good. Come to you in prayer, Father, to be in your presence. And then, Father, we make our requests, supplication. We we make specific requests. And then, Father, we, we give thanks for your faithfulness. We give thanks for all the times you've come through and been faithful. We give thanks for your love, your graciousness, your patience, your provision. So just for a little bit before we sing, we pray, we make supplication, and we give thanks. As we uh, move into the holidays, we we do have a lot of things that we would love to share with you and uh, encourage your participation as the Lord leads you. Um, But before we get into that, I do want to just give a shout out to the tech team. Uh, Last Sunday, we had some technical issues. This Sunday, um, you know, you asked me on Friday, I asked Jordan, how are we doing? And he just kind of mumbled. "Um, um, We love technology around here. And uh, how many of you at home or on your phone have ever done an update? And after the update, things stop talking to each other. And so uh, we, are, we are blessed with a lot of very skilled people in what we call the bridge back there. And there's a lot of components that have to talk to each other in order for the live stream in particular to go out and for even us to get slides up. And so what happened in the last week or two is um, software companies decided to send out updates and so the components that were talking to each other nicely uh, stopped talking to each other. And uh, they worked very hard. And uh, for you here in person, you're not really going to notice a difference. Um, but for you at home, I just want to let you know, uh, we are going to be able to have slides up for the sermon. You're just not going to be able to get slides for the worship music. Um, but we were blessed to even have a, a live stream. As of Friday, everything was shut down. And so they worked very, very hard to get us up to be able to Enjoy that. Yes, thank you to the, the bridge. All right, so Kathy, come on up. Kathy uh, wants to share something from women's ministry about an upcoming event. Good morning. Uh, just a quick announcement. We are having a women's Christmas gathering December 3rd, 4 o'clock. Uh, at um, the Body Combs house. Um, so it'll be at our house. And we have invitations. Uh, they'll be in the back on the cart. And I will also pass them around to any woman that I see. Uh, so you're all welcome to come. It should be a great time. We're going to have different types of soup, a couple different types of soup, a couple different types of desserts. Um, and we're just going to do other things that it'll be a lot of fun and a great time to be together. Thanks. Please sign up. It's on, there's a sign-up on the cart. Many of you have signed up already, uh, so please go ahead and sign up. Okay, and I have an announcement for student ministry. Um, we had our fancy Thanksgiving dinner this last Wednesday, 
It was really fun. Um, all the students and leaders dressed up fancy, and we had dinner. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it was a great time. And so this coming week, a couple of updates. We don't have Tuesday night Bible study, and we don't have our Wednesday night youth group either. So that's that. Great. Thank you, Shiloh. Hey, uh, Jordan, can you do me a favor? If, if that TV can get turned on right above your head, that would help me out. Um, all right, last Sunday we mentioned uh, an opportunity coming up this week, Thanksgiving at the Park, uh, sponsored by Calvary Chapel. Uh, Pastor Dan put it out to all of the churches, and if you would like to participate, uh, you can go to their website. Also, there's a contact, uh, Bernie Gaona, uh, Gaona uh, his email there. If you want to uh, help, specifically, he told uh, Pastor Tyler they need mashed potatoes. So if you would like to contribute mashed potatoes, it's a wonderful lunch at Libby Park. Uh, setups around 10. There's different ways for you to serve. Uh, one of the things that Pastor Dan shared with me is uh, one of the ministries uh, that is included is you or whoever would like to going through the line, getting a plate of food, and simply having a meal with somebody. Uh, he calls it the not just ministry to the homeless, but to the lonely. And so if you would like to participate in any way, you can go to their website. You can contact Bernie, and uh, he'd be glad to help you with that. Okay. Uh, next Sunday, we have, I think, two, right, Tyler? Two baptisms scheduled uh, right after service outside on the patio. Uh, if you would love to be baptized, if you're wondering if you should be baptized or what baptism is all about, we would love to chat with you so you can see Pastor Tyler about that. Uh, I want to say thank you to all of, uh, all of you who have donated to the Continuing Care Center uh, Christmas baskets. All right, Betty? A lot of things have come in. Uh, there's lists of items uh, out on the welcome card, and now we have a deadline. If you'd like to uh, give some items to that, Sunday, December 18th would be the last uh, opportunity for you to donate to the uh, Christmas baskets. Uh, breakfast in Bethlehem. We've been uh, sharing with you in very creative ways Sunday, December 10th here in the uh, worship center. Uh, there is limited seating, so I just want to let you know, if you've been interested and you haven't registered, there's only 26 remaining slots left. So if you'd like to register after service, you can do that. Kim will have an iPad at the welcome card, or you can do it online. But there's only 26 slots left, so I encourage you to, to jump on that. And then finally, uh, this week, we were asked by Teen Challenge if we could... Uh, come alongside them. You know, we love Teen Challenge. Uh, I did a chapel there a couple months ago, and I think we're going to do one this month, another one. Um, but we come alongside t Teen Challenge, and they are having a tamale fundraiser. And so if you would like to come, uh, come alongside Teen Challenge by purchasing some tamales, there's a sign-up sheet at the welcome cart as well, and it's a wonderful way to uh, support that ministry. Okay? Uh, last Sunday, we mentioned that we were going to give uh, Layla and Zeke an opportunity uh, to share uh, what the Lord's doing in their life, uh, focused on missions in Kenya. And Mark, you want to come up and introduce them? And then we'll have them share. <laughs> 